Frank Gaffney is perhaps America's foremost national security expert and analyst. He's the founder and the executive chairman of the Center for Security Policy. And he founded it in 1988 after serving in the Reagan Pentagon as Acting Assistant Secretary of Defense for International Security Policy. Frank is the host of Securing America TV on Real America's Voice. He can be seen there or at securingamerica.tv. Frank, you've done a recent investigation in what appears to have been a coup attempt of our national sovereignty. Tell us about the World Health Organization, also known as WHO. World Health Organization, Kevin, is uh, an outfit that uh, was conjured up after World War II. Um, it was, at the time, principally focused on trying to improve um, uh, well, uh, conditions that were at the time afflicting many nations around the world uh, with various kinds of diseases, uh, most arising from a lack of basic public hygiene and, and uh, health consideration. Um, over the years, of course, uh, as the world's conditions have changed, um, its mission has as well. And of late, uh, most especially since um, the end of 2019, it has had a very prominent role in um, anti-pandemic uh, public health uh, treatment and, and uh, policy. Well, they were and very active in this pandemic. What role did they play? Big time. Well, they were essentially entrusted with the responsibility to try to lay out a policy approach for uh, dealing with the COVID-19 virus, um, which proved to be very problematic indeed, because um, as has been true of many of these multinational organizations, uh, the World Health Organization has been targeted for domination by the Chinese Communist Party. Um, they've been joined in that purpose by Bill Gates, a, a Western uh, businessman, of course, uh, with whom the People's Republic has dealt extensively. And essentially what took place during um, the early days of the pandemic was that the World Health Organization began parroting what it was told to say about the virus, um, about its provenance, about its transmissibility, and uh, what to do about it from uh, the masters of the World Health Organization uh, in Beijing. And uh, the director general of the World Health Organization, a um, non-medical doctor, uh, an Ethiopian Marxist by the name of Dr. Tedros Ghebreyesus, um, was shameless in shilling for the Chinese party line and I think um, contributed materially uh, to the needless loss of life uh, around the world, including here in the United States as a result. Yeah, well, they were giving us bad strategy potentially, but here's the scary part. If you said anything contrary to what the World Health Organization deemed official truth, Twitter 
and Facebook and others would, would block your information and ban you outright. So it, it was either WHO or CDC determining what the American people were allowed to hear, what the medical community was allowed to hear, and what treatments that they were allowed to use with American uh, patients. All of that is true, Kevin. And again, the leitmotif of what the World Health Organization did was they put forward uh, what the Chinese called the China model. Uh, and whether that was the quarantines, the masks, the lockdowns, the uh, use of uh, inadequately tested vaccines, um, mandates of those vaccines uh, to the population at large, uh, and not least vaccine passports to enforce those mandates. Um, all of these became features of the prescriptions that uh, Tedros and his organization began relentlessly pushing out worldwide. And I, I think, uh, as, as you know so well, Kevin, that meant that we were condemning large numbers of people needlessly to death because they were denied early treatment with some very uh, effective um, therapies that are widely available, very inexpensive, uh, all in favor of uh, these expensive and very problematic uh, mRNA, um, essentially gene therapies. And again, all of this speaks to the kind of complicity that this World Health Organization has had with the people who precipitated this virus, the Chinese Communist Party. Well, not just them. Can you share about Event 201? Uh, we've heard of it. Was it pre-planned? Was it an opportunity that presented itself? What, what was that event and when did it take place? Yeah, um, Bill Gates, as I mentioned, has been very much a prominent fixture in these um, international health uh, enterprises. And he has been a patron through the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, along with other uh, philanthropists and government entities here in the United States. And oh, by the way, the Chinese Centers for Disease Control as well, in a series of uh, tabletop exercises in which pandemics were modeled and the various techniques that could be utilized in response to them to strengthen and add to the power of the World Health Organization and supranational entities like it um, <clears throat> became a fixture of these tabletop exercises. The most recent one, I believe, of which uh, was held in the fall of 2019. Uh, it became known as Event 201. You can still see online um, seven hours of the video in which this game modeled the um, uh, effects of a coronavirus pandemic and how they could be utilized to build up the World Health Organization, uh, pour more money into its coffers, uh, and increase dramatically its ability to dictate 
what would be done by nations around the world, including ours, in it's response a, to a pandemic. Almost too much to believe, but it is true. Uh, we'll put links to that in the economic battle plan. We've got to take a break. When we come back, let's talk about the absolute coup that just almost happened here in 2022. We've been talking with Frank Gaffney about globalist organizations, really the World Health Organization, and there, there were some recently proposed amendments to the WHO Treaty. Can we call it that? And, and Snopes, by the way, I'm just going to tell you right now, look it up. Snopes says, nothing to see here, absolutely false, uh, but I don't think that's true. Tell me, Frank, what were the proposals to that treaty and the change, and who, who made them, and what are the implications? Well, let me just say, don't take my word for it, but certainly don't take Snopes' word for it. What we have established, Kevin, uh, is that uh, back in January of this year, the Biden administration uh, surreptitiously, at the last possible moment, introduced, I believe it was 13 amendments to what are known as the International Health Regulations that the World Health Organization is supposed to be, you know, implementing. And those regulations uh, were to be modified if the administration had had its way in a whole series of steps that would have diminished the sovereignty of the United States and for that matter, other member nations of the World Health Organization. It would have essentially entrusted to this fellow Dr. Tedros Ghebreyesus the responsibility to determine what is a public health emergency of international concern, uh, FAKE uh, being the acronym for it. Um, and not only would he have the authority at his discretion to decide whether something was a fake, a public health emergency of international concern, but he would also be able to direct what would be done in response to it. Non-medical doctor, yeah. known Marxist, right? Absolutely, and, and working for the Chinese Communist Party, which has uh, a direct involvement, of course, in precipitating uh, this pandemic and a couple of others that Did, preceded Didn't it. President so, Trump take us out of this connection with the World Health Organization? I think what he did was he decided that he would suspend our funding of it. Oh. Uh, and it's not exactly the same thing, but practically speaking, he was certainly disassociating ourselves from the work of the organization. But one of the first things that Joe Biden's team did when he took office was to reverse that, as with so many other Trump decisions. And we're back in there now, and we are uh, spending a substantial amount of our money uh, supporting it, as is, by the way, Bill Gates uh, with his foundation. And again, that gives um, those with the cash uh, a say on what is actually done by the organization. But Kevin, here's the key piece. Um, the effort was made, as I said, to keep this from public scrutiny. And it wasn't until I think the latter part of April that there was some acknowledgement in the Federal Register, as I recall, that these amendments were indeed in play. And at that point, 
Jim Braguski and a number of others began raising an alarm about what was going on. And the more people looked into it, the more it was clear that what was going on was not in the national security interests of the United States, or for that matter, the public health uh, interests of the uh, United States. And so um, we saw this uh, turn into quite a thrash in the last week of May at the World Health Assembly, which is uh, where the member nations get together. Most of Africa and a number of other countries, Brazil, as I recall, I think Iran, uh, said, wait a minute, we're not going to go down this road. Thank God for Africa. Sovereignty, yeah. But the United States government was prepared to do so. You know, what is so galling about this, number one is the World Health Organization, we do fund it, so it's our money being used uh, to steal our sovereignty. Uh, number two, you know, why are we in this in the first place? We try to get out. It reminds me of Hotel California. You can check in, but you can't check out. It sounds like sure. one world government being proposed. Our mutual friend, uh, former Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, raised this with me. She's the dean of, uh, of the School of Government at Regent University. And you've covered it extensively at securingamerica.tv. Uh, it seems to me this was a test run to see what they could get away with. Snopes can say, no, it wouldn't steal your sovereignty. Maybe not today. But what if this guy, this Marxist said, you know what's a national health emergency? The climate. And so we've got to stop the use of automobiles in the United States. It seems like they were headed that direction. I think there's no question about it. Uh, gun violence might be another example of what he would describe as a public health emergency of international concern. And to the extent that he would be able to dictate what we would have to do about it, uh, how convenient for an administration that might not be up to uh, the job of disarming us, but uh, happy to have somebody else do that. So all of these are things that um, were in play, Kevin. And uh, fortunately, when enough nations stood up, um, the amendments were not approved as the administration had sought. <clears throat> I fear we're not out of the woods, however. I think what we've had is kind of a stay of execution, but you can bet that there's an effort underway, both within those public health regulations, international health regulations, and in a new pandemic treaty that is uh, being negotiated to see whether they can get a similar kind of sovereignty surrender enacted. Well, at a very minimum, what they've done is they've ramped up their permissions to examine all of our private information to get involved, to, to see, to study, to understand what we're doing, which is a complete violation of our privacy. Now, we need to take another break. When we come back, uh, let's see if we can build an action plan to respond. Those World Health Organization amendments, they were a dodged bullet maybe today, but they're also a wake-up call. Let's come back with a plan. Frank, before the break, I mentioned the idea that the World Health Organization is delving into our data. They're looking at us, they're studying us, maybe even accessing our private personal information. And do you have thoughts on that? Big time, Kevin. Uh, one of the things that was taking place, interestingly enough, in parallel with the World Health Assembly meeting in Geneva at the end of May, was the World Economic Forum meeting in Davos, uh, up the road in Switzerland. Uh, both of these events 
featured um, in different ways, to be sure. The pursuit by these globalists, um, whether they're the you know capitalist kind at Davos, or whether they're the communist kind uh, in Dr. Tedros's office, or for that matter, communist China, um, the idea of utilizing technology to gain access to all of our personal information, health information, but all other kinds of data. And Kevin, as you know so well, uh, one of the things that uh, the so-called digital passports or health cards uh, have the potential to do is to create a an infrastructure, if you will, for what we call the digital gulag. Um, and when you look at how the Chinese Communist Party has perfected the surveillance state apparatus and their um, aggregation of data from facial recognition, gate recognition, uh, surveillance cameras, um, your internet operations, and, and every other aspect of your life now, and um, use quantum computing and artificial intelligence and other techniques to manipulate and provide um, situational awareness about every individual in China, their whereabouts, what they're doing, what they're thinking. Um, it becomes an instrument, as you say, of not only, you know, a wholesale invasion of our privacy, but of control control of populations. And so uh, in Davos, they talked up about uh, a gambit uh, to the uh, uh, environment, social justice, governance crowd, ESG, that you're all over, of a global carbon footprint tracker. Um, they also telegraphed that uh, the World Health Organization had commissioned T-Mobile to begin building out a digital health card for every human being on the planet, all of which inevitably leads to um, a loss of privacy, yes, but also uh, uh, this uh, supranational domination of the entire world, uh, and at the expense of all of our freedoms, of course, and, uh, and ultimately, I think, our lives. Yeah, well, the, you know, a lot of people, oh, that's a conspiracy theory and, and so forth. You know, but here's the fact. You ran from present China, presentdangerchina.org, the Committee on the Present Danger China. It's an incredible webinar. I think it's two on the digital gulag. Can you describe some of the experts that you had that came forward and, and, and really validated what you just shared? Yeah, well, you've mentioned uh, Michelle Bachman uh, featured prominently in the first of them, uh, Congressman Pete Hoekstra in uh, both the first and the second, as I recall. Um, we've had uh, Steve Kirsch, uh, a Silicon Valley entrepreneur, very deeply knowledgeable about these uh, technologies. We've had Naomi Wolf, who's been really at the cutting edge of warning about this, uh, well, not just creeping, galloping, totalitarianism. Yeah, Naomi Wolf, and, who was a darling of the left until she started indeed. standing up for individual liberty. Well, she did, and I give her a great deal of credit for it. I think she's been pretty consistent in terms of that uh, small L liberal 
tradition, but uh, it's definitely not part of the left agenda any longer, and neither is she. Um, but we've had uh, scientists, we've had medical doctors, we've had uh, people who were you know, tracking closely the World Health Organization, and of course, not least, uh, a friend and colleague, Reggie Littlejohn, who's been all over this um, digital passport business and how it really does conduce to a, uh, a, a loss of privacy and freedom inexorably. So um, I commend to it, uh, your audience, uh, stopvaxpassports.org, uh, stopvaxpassports.org uh, for those webinars and, and a number of others that we've done under the rubric of our uh, Committee on the Present Danger Stop Vaccine Passports Task Force, Kevin. And it's, uh, it's really important work to be shedding light on what the ultimate objective is of these globalists of one stripe or another uh, and uh, you know what they mean to do to put us out of business as a nation that stands for freedom and uh, enshrines it in our constitution well how do we address this you know i think back our elected officials uh, president trump was at the mercy of the permanent bureaucracy like the CDC, the NIH, and the World Health Organization. He fought back, but there was so much about what we were allowed to hear, say, and do that was dictated to us, not from our elected officials, but from the technocracy and from the globalists and from the Marxists. So what can we do about that? Well, it always starts where you and I both live, which is raising awareness ensuring people have the information they need to make informed judgments about what's going on. Uh, look, the vast majority of us, I think at this point, are now persuaded uh, that what the Biden administration is doing is a wrecking operation. It's, it's not simply incompetence, it's, it's uh, malevolence. When you look at a government of the United States purposefully, deliberately, knowingly trying to undermine our constitution by surrendering our sovereignty to a transnational organization. Um, you know, you just have to realize that this is upon us and that's where we begin in trying to take corrective action. Um, a key piece of this, Kevin, is, is there going to be a formal review process undertaken by the United States Senate of whatever the administration is doing, um, if not with these health regulations, certainly with this new pandemic treaty. That has to happen. Uh, a treaty requires under the Constitution of the United States a two-thirds majority of the Senate voting to uh, advise and consent to the treaty. Um, that is a safeguard, a quality control mechanism that is vital and it we must compel the senators to stand up and be counted because, unfortunately, they've not been much in evidence on this issue to this point. Now, Frank, you've done great work here. Thank you for what you've done, the Committee on the Present Danger, what these uh, webinars have done to raise awareness. It's fantastic, and we really appreciate it. Thank you, my friend, and to you too. All right, so think about this. Luke 16:11 says, if you're not faithful with your unrighteous money, You'll never be trusted with true riches. Liberty is one of those true riches. What role does our money play in all of this? Are we funding our own demise? 
And what can we do about it? That's why we started the National Security Investment Consultant Institute Advisor Training. You can learn more at nsic.org. And you can learn more about this episode and have links to all the webinars and everything else with a free economic battle plan found at economicwarroom.com. Remember, what we see as a marketplace, our enemies view as a battle space. This is Kevin Freeman from the Economic War Room. 